The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. I want to thank uh, Dr. Williams, Mr. Jalovec, and all of you guys for having me this morning. Um, if you haven't turned there, would you open your Bible to Colossians 1? And we'll be looking at uh, verses 15 to 17 this morning. Colossians 1, 15 to 17. I want to start by saying that as human beings, we recognize greatness when we see it. Um, we see talented athletes and we recognize their greatness and we, we even ask, who's the greatest? So I was, thinking of, I was thinking of the greatest sprinter in the world. I wonder if I say that, who do you think of? Usain Bolt, all right. I was wondering if the Olympics changed that this year, but this, thankfully this illustration still works, all right? Uh, yeah. Uh, Usain Bolt, right? Um, I, I think it's safe to say that Usain Bolt is faster than every athlete at Cairn University, right? <laughs> Probably, right? Uh, he's significantly faster, right? There's a greatness in Usain Bolt that we all see and recognize. This morning, I want to help you see a little more that something that's much greater, and that is the greatness of God's Son, we so often fail to see Christ in his greatness. His greatness is obscured in this world, but it's revealed to us by God and scripture and by his spirit. So we must look to scripture to see his greatness, and we must pray that God by his spirit will help us to see his greatness. And we're going to do that by looking at our one scripture passage this year, all right? So Colossians 1, 15 to 17. And in this passage, Paul teaches us that the Son of God is greater than all things. In verse 13, Paul says that God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. So then in verse 15, when he says, he, he's talking about the Son of God. And what he tells us in these verses is that God's Son is greater than all things. To give you a little background, Paul's writing to a church that's in danger of embracing false teaching. We don't really know what it was, but it was, it was some kind of teaching that said this, okay, you've received Christ, that's great, but now you need to do some other things, or now you need to have these other religious experiences, or these other visionary experiences, and, and, and come to a greater understanding. You can see this if you look in Colossians 2.18. Uh, there Paul says, let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, going on in details about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. Paul says to the Colossians, don't listen to that. His main point is actually found in chapter 2, verse 6. There he says, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Our passage today, this whole letter is urging us to walk in him, to continue in Christ. Because, Paul will say, he really is greater than all other things. So that's the main point, I think, of these verses and the main point of my sermon this morning, that the Son of God 
is greater than all things. And I'll have three points in the sermon, the, uh, one for each verse, all right? So verse, for, verse 15, my first point is the fact of his greatness, the fact of his greatness. Verse 15, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Part of the greatness of humanity, of, of us, of men and women, is that we're made in the image of God. We're like God. There's a greatness there. But when Paul says that Christ is the image of God, he means more than this. He means that the Son of God is God. He means that the Son of God partakes in the very nature of God. And I say this because he defines this image bearing in verse 16. He says that God created all things by him. Right? If you are the creator of all things, then you are God. The Son of God is God. So he's literally, he's literally as great as anyone could be. He's God. Now this has been true from the beginning of time, right? Because God created all things through him. But I think Paul's point here is that it's true right now. He not only was the image of God, Paul says he is the image of God. Even after he's taken up our flesh and become a man in the incarnation, he's still the image of God. He's both God and man in one person. And so Christ can represent God to us in a way that no one else can. God is invisible, right? He's the image of the invisible God. But in the incarnate Son, we see a perfect, visible representation of God's image. Paul also says he's the firstborn of all creation. Now, this language could throw us off, right? We could hear that, and it could sound like Paul's saying he's the first one to be born, or that he's the first one to be created. Some of you guys are in my classes. I recognize a lot of you in here, right? Um, and uh, and I, I have taught many of you, I think. What's the three rules of interpretation? Context, 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 right? Uh, so, so we need to read this in light of verse 16, where Paul makes it clear that God created all things by him, right? So if all things were created by him, he's not a part of creation, right? He's the creator, and he's the firstborn over all of creation, in ancient culture, a firstborn son would be given a much larger inheritance in the family. And um, in a kingdom, right, only the firstborn son inherits the throne. So the, the firstborn was far greater than his brothers and sisters. Psalm 89 in the Old Testament says that God will make the Messiah, the Christ, the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. This is what I think Paul's appealing to when he says in verse 15 that the Son of God is the firstborn of all creation. He's saying this. He's saying he's greater than all things, right? And that's, that's the first point we see here is the fact of his greatness. The second point we see is in verse 16, and that is the reason for his greatness. So look at that. For by him all things were created in heaven 
and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. Why is the Son of God so great? Because God created all things by him. Notice how comprehensive Paul is in this. In the beginning of the verse, he says, by him, all things are created. And then the end of the verse, again, he says, all things were created through him and for him. And then we look at the middle of the verse, and he, he, gives, he gives the spectrum of all things. He says, all things in heaven and on earth, right? Or he says, all things visible and invisible, <clears throat> I think for the Colossians, this would remind them that Christ is greater even than invisible forces like angels. I think that's why he spells out invisible. He spells it out whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. I think for someone in the ancient world, someone in the church of Colossae, invisible powers could be a great reason to fear or, or to wonder, you know, maybe I need something more than Christ to make it in this life. For modern people like us, we tend to think that the visible is all that there is. Here we're instructed, though, no, right, there are invisible forces in this world. You say, great. So you're telling me I don't need to just fear everything that I can see around me in the world. I've got all these invisible things floating around, right, to fear as well. Well, yes, but Paul's point is we don't need to fear them, right? That Christ is greater than all of them because he's their creator, Notice, too, how verse 16 tells us that God's Son gives us meaning and purpose to our lives. What are the big questions in life? Where did I come from? What's it all for? It's the origin and the end. And Paul tells us that as Christians, we actually know the answers to these questions. I'm thinking of the, the last line in verse 16, through him and for him. All things were created through him and for him. All things, including us, were created through him. God created you through Christ. He created me through Christ. All things have been created through his son. And Paul says all things have been created for him. We have, that's our purpose. Paul says we have been created for him to follow him, to give him praise and glory. We don't have to ask where we came from or what's it all for. Paul tells us here, it's through him, it's for him. One thing I want you to see is how much greater he is than us. He wasn't created for us. He wasn't even created. We were created through him and for him. This is the reason for his greatness, and that's our second point, right? So the fact of his greatness, the reason for his greatness, and then finally in verse 17, notice the permanence of his greatness. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The first part of this verse is basically just summarizing the main point of our message, right? He is before all things. He's greater than all things. The second part of our verse, though, teaches us that his permanence is, sorry, his greatness, rather, is permanent. In him, all things hold together. 
Paul's saying God didn't just create everything and then walk away. Remember, everything is created through him, but also for him. Even when we walked away from God, Adam, Eve, everybody else, right? God didn't walk away from us. Christ is holding all things together. Sometimes it can seem, when you look in the world, it can seem like everything's breaking apart. In astronomy, you learn that the the universe is literally expanding apart, right? Our society is breaking apart. Some of our relationships are breaking apart. Even some of our churches are breaking apart. Sometimes your life feels like it's falling apart. But Paul tells us here in verse 17 that God is holding all things together in Christ. The Son of God is holding all things together. There's a permanence to his greatness. Usain Bolt is now retired, right? Soon he'll grow old and he'll never be able to run again. All great things in this world pass away. The Roman Empire, in its greatness, passed away. This school will pass away. I will pass away. I'm not saying I'm that great, all right? Uh, I'm just saying I will pass away. It feels sooner and sooner. You will pass away. But Paul says Christ will never pass away. He's died and he's risen to eternal life. He promises to give that life to everyone who repents of their sin, puts their faith in him. He's holding all things together. He's permanently great. You can rest all of your faith in him. He won't let you down. He's great beyond measure. He's greater than all things. That's our point, right? He's greater than all things. So I think Paul would say, as you have received Christ the Lord, so walk in him. Continue to get to know him, to love him, to trust him, because you won't be disappointed. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word and how it teaches us. We pray that you would teach us by your spirit, that you'd open the eyes of our heart to see the greatness of your son. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.